Ted Borg is here with News Talk KZRG. Welcome to this week's episode of Plot Summary. This is where I take uh, most of what we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG, and I boil it down for you in a nice little plot summary, hence the name. We're going to start off this week pretty much the way we start off every week, and that is with the Biden family. But we're actually going to be starting off with Hunter Biden this week. Well, a second IRS whistleblower came out on Monday in the criminal investigation against the first son, Hunter Biden. And what he claimed, there was a purge of the entire investigatory team that was looking into Hunter Biden for tax fraud related crimes. Basically, what that means is this individual was on a team looking into Hunter Biden's taxes and potential tax evasion stuff. And essentially, the DOJ just said, you're all fired. Pack your bags. You're done here. You're outsies. So and this whistleblower came out to Congress this week and he said that doesn't seem very fair. We were doing a legitimate investigation about a legitimate issue, and we had some pretty legitimate findings. And then they just came and fired us and said, no, no longer allowed to look into it. The 53-year-old Hunter Biden allegedly failed to pay taxes on millions of dollars that he had received, of course, from foreign associates. Who, who, by the way, and this whistleblower also came out to say this, those former associates also interacted with then-Vice President Joe Biden. This isn't a Hunter Biden business. This is a Biden family enterprise. The IRS supervisor who oversaw the investigation since January of 2020, which, by the way, three years ago, more than three years' worth of investigation into this case. Him and his 12 subordinates all removed, like I said, gone. And when he contacted Congress to say, yes, I will testify, making me the second IRS whistleblower to blow the whistle against the Hunter Biden investigation... He said, not only will I allow myself to be questioned about that situation, but I also have information about a false testimony that was made by Attorney General Merrick Garland, a false testimony made to Congress. This individual said Merrick Garland lied. The Attorney General, the person that is not supposed to lie, lied to Congress. And he threw it all out. This obviously raised a lot of heads this week, specifically about the term preferential treatment, which frankly... I mean, it's kind of hard to argue against that. Three years worth of investigation just completely flushed down the toilet. Why? Probably because they were getting pretty close, would be my guess. And once they attached then-Vice President Joe Biden to it, well, that's where it probably got a little messy. So the Justice Department said, you're done, you're canned, give us all your information, give us your badge, go home, you're done. little spooky. Moving up the age ladder there to Joe Biden, uh, another very interesting story came out this week about Biden, and it came from none other than Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Hillary Clinton made a, a very reasonable and I think accurate statement this week, sort of rare for her. Clinton said, quote, Joe Biden's age is an issue and people have every right to consider it. That was a very, very apt statement by Hillary Clinton. I, I agree. I think people do have a right to, to consider it and to be concerned about it, not necessarily just because of his age, but more so because of his seemingly obvious cognitive decline, which is nothing against the man. I, I mean, he's old. People have people people lose start to kind of lose it when they get older. And that's something to be ashamed of. That's nothing to make fun of him for. But you can't have that guy in charge of 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 the entire country. 
in, char- in charge of essentially the entire world. Because let's be honest here, like mm, America kind of runs it. So, you know, that's not like a haha Biden's old. It's just a hey, let's let's be reasonable here. Do we want to have this guy driving the car? I mean, he's falling asleep at the wheel. So, uh, you know, I, I agreed with with Hillary on that. But she then went on to say something that was a little more problematic to me. She said, quote, Biden has this great saying, and I think he's right. Don't judge him by running against the almighty, but against the alternative. And I am of the camp that I think he's determined to run. He has a good record that three years ago people would not have predicted would have gotten done, end quote. Yes, I don't think three years ago anyone would have predicted Russia invasion, the entire economy essentially crashing, the job market being completely tanked, egg prices. Don't even get me started on the egg prices. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? With those egg prices. It's crazy. So, no, I, I, I don't think that people three years ago would have predicted this. That being said, essentially what she threw him, or him rather through her, I suppose, is claiming is don't judge him about his purity level to, to God, right? He's human and he's going to make mistakes. And I think that's fair. But she's saying judge him versus the alternative, implying Trump. Don't judge him against God. Judge him against what we could have instead of him, Trump. Which, that is where I think there's a problem. Because Trump is not the only alternative. Keep in mind, Biden doesn't necessarily just automatically have the nomination for the Democratic primary. They could host a primary. And there are a number of Democrats that are trying to run. Why not let them run? I mean, why not make that the alternative? Most notably, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. RFK Jr. is running for president. And the Democratic National Convention said we will not be hosting any debates against Biden, period. You can run all you want, but we're not hosting debates. And I think that that is completely ridiculous. Test Biden's ideas with other ideas and see which ones come out on top. That's what it should be. A. B. I don't think that they're hosting debates because, frankly, Biden can barely speak. So I don't think that would go very well. And C. I think they're worried that Republicans might kind of like RFK Jr., Uh, He has a a great book out called uh, The Real Anthony Fauci. Shout out. I'm not being paid to say this, but it is very good. Check it out where he does a deep dive on Anthony Fauci's track record. And it is not flattering of Dr. Fauci. And that really speaks to people, especially coming out of the pandemic. That basically was Biden saying, listen to everything I do. I am science along with Fauci. So I think that they're legitimately threatened by RFK Jr. Now, of course, he has a lot of flaws and, you know, all that good stuff. And he is a Democrat. So that's, you know, hey, we won't hold it against him. But the point here is they're not allowing an alternative. So for Hillary to say judge him against the alternative, i.e. the Republicans, is is not a very fair statement because you could judge him against other Democrats. But they're choosing not to. And by the way, for you younger people, um, another big concern as a younger person myself that I take with this is when Biden ran, he had said he'd openly said multiple times in several campaign speeches that he is a transitionary president. That is the, the term that he coined that he deemed himself a transitionary president. Basically, he said what his goal was, was to take the presidency away from Trump, hold on to it for a little bit, transition a couple of main things. And then give it off to the younger generation. He had literally said that. And now he's refusing to do that. He is refusing to be that transitionary president. He is refusing to hand off the duties to the younger generation. 
which I, is ridiculous. And, and Republicans are starting to do that. We saw uh, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She's a younger individual. I mean, not, you know, I'm in my 20s. She's in her early 40s. But the point stands. Biden was 40 years old when Sarah Huckabee Sanders was born. Biden was already a full-grown man with a full career by the time this woman was born. And they're leading at the same time. That is a concern. Hand it off to the younger generation, Biden, like you said you would. Give it to give it to RFK Jr. Give it to a kid. I don't know. Give, give it to a five-year-old that's a Democrat. Frankly, they can probably run the economy just as well as you have. Except they'll also probably say we have infinite recess at our public elementary schools. So, you know, that's pretty cool. But there you go. That's what I got on... Uh, that's what we got in the Biden family this week. Moving on from there, January 6th, 2021. I know we're all sick and tired of it, and yet somehow they just keep on beating that dead horse. Well, it is in the news, and it was newsworthy. The founder of the Oath Keepers this week was sentenced to 18 years in prison for orchestrating a weeks-long plot that culminated in his followers attacking, quote-unquote attacking, the U.S. Capitol in a bid to keep Donald Trump in power. 18 years. This is big because this is now the longest sentence that has been administered because of January 6th. And strangely enough, this individual that was sentenced to 18 years never even entered the Capitol. He wasn't even, he didn't even enter the Capitol that day. And he's gotten the longest, longest, longest sentencing. Prosecutors had originally sought 25 years saying that he was the architect of a plot to forcibly disrupt the transfer of presidential power, which included quick reaction force, quote-unquote, with teams in Virginia to ferry weapons into D.C. if they were needed. Now, they got all this information through text messages and emails, of course, and they said that he was a legitimate threat to society and to his government. Of course, the defense said this was all very politically motivated. It's hard to argue that politics aren't in it, because they are in some degree. And the defense also said, once again, he never actually entered the Capitol. So <laughs> how on earth is he getting the longest sentence? Well, that's how she goes, I guess. Shifting gears, uh, keeping it domestic, though. Uh, artificial intelligence, obviously a huge, huge topic nowadays. Not everybody even really knew what it was exactly not too long ago. And now it seems like that's what everybody's talking about, including... Republican Florida Senator Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio issued a warning on Wednesday about impending artificial intelligence threats to national security. Marco Rubio pointed out accurately, by the way, that hackers had previously used editing programs to portray former presidents in order to get access to things, in order to shape conversation, so on and so forth. And that was before AI. And they were successfully doing this stuff, mainly China, North Korea, Iran, and uh, Russia, of course. Those were the main ones. But now they have even more sophisticated tools with artificial intelligence and quantum computing. And those are the things that we have to worry about. And the thing that we have to mainly worry about are secrets. Now, currently, the FBI, the CIA, the White House, anybody who's anybody, they have their secrets and Department of Defense information locked up in digital safes that are very difficult to crack. Quantum computing and artificial intelligence can crack these codes relatively easily. To give you a little comparison here, in the Middle Ages, we had castles, and those walls were really good at keeping people out because people had swords and bow and arrows, and those can't really penetrate stone very well. So it was a pretty good mode of defense. 
But then people invented gunpowder and cannons and cannonballs. And a few cannonballs could knock down an entire portion of a castle wall pretty easily. It was just a matter of getting the tools. It was just a matter of getting the cannons there. Once they were there, it took three, four, maybe five cannonballs to knock down a wall. And then all of a sudden, that wall that was protecting you isn't really there anymore. And that's essentially what AI and quantum computing is doing to digital secrets and digital safekeeping. Of course, it's doing it on like a dig on like a you know a computer level, but it is sort of that thing where we had a security systems that worked really very well for the technology of our time. But guess what? Computer gunpowder just got invented, AI and quantum computing, and they can shoot down those walls real quickly. And that's what a lot of people are starting to warn the government about. And of course, in this instance, Republican Florida Senator Marco Rubio. It's like, dude, we got to figure this out. So that is the AI threat that we are currently facing, um, brought to you by uh, human ingenuity and the desire to always push forward, which, um, you know, has worked out, relatively speaking. We'll see how this one does. Moving on from that to something a little bit more lighthearted, but also not really. John Fetterman, Project Veritas, is at it again. An individual identified as a special assistant to Democratic Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman told an undercover reporter that was with Project Veritas that the senator's office has a list of puppet journalists who will cover the campaign's approved narratives exclusively. Yeah. I mean, this guy, Project Veritas is crazy. It's If you don't know, it is this news network, quote-unquote, if you want to call it that, where basically they have these reporters go undercover and essentially go on fake dates with, in this case a special assistant to John Fetterman. And, you know, the girl's the girl is the reporter, and she's wearing a secret camera and secret microphone. She's like, oh, my God, so you work for, like, John Fetterman? That's crazy. He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool, dude. Like, it's super awesome. And then he tries to impress her with all of his knowledge, and then she just kind of pokes and prods and's like, so, like, do you have to, like, work with the media? And then, you know, the guy's like, yeah, we have, like, a list of journalists that we work really closely with. And she's like, oh, that's crazy. Like, how do you choose them? And then so on and so forth. And as the guy tries to impress her more and more, he usually divulges more and more information that is secretive and also highly embarrassing and possibly incredibly immoral. Like in this case, puppet journalists working for a Democratic senator. All that on tape, all that came out. And what this guy was divulging to this woman is that they have approved journalists. And the scary thing is this guy called it an art form. He said that they realized long ago that journalists need this politicians more than the politicians need the journalists. And so what and so these desperate journalists just to get any scoop, to get anything to be able to publish, to be able to put the name on. They say, "Please, give me anything and I'll cover it however you want. I just need something." And so, yeah. He has a they have a John Fetterman has puppet journalists. It's crazy. Oh, and also a nice little cherry on top of information that we're getting from this. The special assistant also said Fetterman would likely support overturning the Second Amendment. He said, yes, John Fetterman is pro just getting rid of the Constitution, essentially. Whatever is in the Constitution is game to just be overturned, and John Fetterman would approve that. That, to me, very scary. But not like John Fetterman could ever get that done. I mean, the man can barely speak. Which, by the way, not to make fun of him, he clearly has medical issue. And like I said earlier with Biden, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Really, there isn't. 
I mean, if you have a medical condition, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be embarrassed of. And I don't think anyone should be making fun of Fetterman for it. But the fact of the matter is, you can't be a public speaker if you don't have the ability to speak. Much like you can't really be a basketball player if you have no legs and arms. You can certainly try, and people can applaud you and think that you're cute or sweet or whatever for trying. But when you're, but the NBA shouldn't be picking you to be on their team. Just like this country shouldn't be picking a representative that cannot speak. Doesn't make sense. But, hey, that's politicians for you. Moving on from there to a slightly um, darker sort of uh, field here. Jeffrey Epstein. He didn't kill himself, by the way. It came out this week that Jeffrey Epstein had once threatened to expose an affair that Bill Gates was having with a Russian bridge player. (laughs) And yes, I do mean bridge the card game. This young Russian woman loved the game bridge so much that she wanted to start like a non-profit bridge, uh, like bridge club to teach poor people how to play bridge. And basically... She met Bill Gates because he was kind of helping her with this effort, and they became close, for and, and they bonded over their mutual love of bridge, which is hilarious. And Jeffrey Epstein knew all this. He had all the dirty deets, and he kept it to himself until what happened? Well, Jeffrey Epstein asked Bill Gates to join a high-value philanthropic venture with him, and Bill Gates turned down the offer. He said, you know, Jeffrey, I appreciate the, that you thought of me, but... I'm not really interested in joining that group. And Jeffrey Epstein said, well, actually, Bill, if you don't join it, I will expose the fact that you had this affair. Here are the photographs. Here is the proof. So when do we start? At which point Bill Gates said, no, of course, I'd love to join your uh, your your venture here. And of course, this is an affair in the sense that at the time that this took place, which is around 2010s, he was still married to his wife, Melinda Gates. Ooh, obviously they're divorced now. No kidding. And the reason why this is shocking is because this is the official proof and official evidence that Jeffrey Epstein was, in fact, collecting embarrassing and sensitive information about high-level and high-value people and blackmailing them with it. We all kind of knew that's what was happening, but this is one of the first definitive pieces of proof that it w- that it was happening. And so then the question remains, what other dirt did he have on what other people? What other stuff wasn't just an extramarital affair? What was secret backdoor government deals? What was actual theft from the American people? What other information does Jeffrey Epstein have and on who? Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. And we need to figure out who did. Because whoever did knows what he knew. And that's what we need to start figuring out. But, alright, that's pretty much what we had domestically within the United States. Um... Another story that we covered this week that had a lot of eyebrows raising and a lot of heads turning. The U.S. kind of learned this the hard way in the pandemic, but about 80% of the basic components used in U.S. drugs come from either China or India. We're kind of chill with India, not much to worry about there. China, on the other hand, obviously we have something to worry about. 80% of the basic components. Forget about the specialized medicine. Forget about the specialized equipment. We're talking about like Advil, ibuprofen. We're talking about aloe vera cream. We're talking about lactose intolerant pills. That's what we're talking about here. Allergy medicine. Bye-bye to that. And by the way, it's not just us. Because 
There was a lot of talk this week of being like, okay, yes, maybe America gets 80% of their you know basic components for U.S. drugs in China. But whatever, if we go to war with them or they decide to cut us off, we can just, you know, link up with Canada or, or, or England or Spain or whatever. Well, that's not really the case because as it turns out, almost all of Europe is also reliant on the Chinese supply chains. In fact, Chinese pharmaceutical companies have supplied as much as 90% of the antibiotics, vitamin C, ibuprofen, and, and hydrocortisone within the United States and within a large portion of Europe. We learned this the hard way during the pandemic that the Chinese Communist Party had a, had a lot of the, the, a lot of the PPEs, which was personal protection equipment. Those are masks, goggles, gloves, all that stuff. And as we've since learned, the masks pretty much did nothing and the goggles weren't all that helpful anyway. Uh, the, the, the point is, is that when we thought that those were helpful in the early, early days of the pandemic, we did not have any. And China actively hoarded it from us. Because why wouldn't they? Uh, frankly, I don't blame China. If we were supplying 90% of China with medicine and then we went to war with them, why would we give them the medicine? That doesn't make sense. We are China's enemy as much as they are ours. So we can't really be mad at China if we go to war with them and then they don't give us supplies. That's a duh. We should be mad at ourselves for not preparing further. And everyone said, oh, we learned a real lesson about the supply chain over the pandemic. And yet nothing's really been done. Medicine, munitions. Those are the first two things that we absolutely need to re-domesticate here in the United States. That should not be produced anywhere else. We can maybe get like 25%, but that should be max. Max cap right there. 75% of medicine and munitions for the United States should be made in the United States by the United States. That's what it should be. But... Nobody's in much of a hurry to make many changes, so, eh, not very good. But, all right, that's pretty much what we got covered this week on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG. Tune in next week. Morning News Watch is going to be off on Monday for Memorial Day. Please, please celebrate respectfully, kindly, and safely. Um, be careful on those roadways. And you can always tune in on Facebook Live, as well as on FM 102.9, 105.9, AM 1310, and on your smart speaker. And remember, if you ever miss anything... You can always catch it right here on Plot Summary with News Talk KZRG.